Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Turn in your Bibles to the third book of John. Very, very, very obscure part of the Bible. Almost, almost never preached on. But we're starting a new series today called Christmas Songs. How many of you are already listening to Christmas music? You just, oh man, you, you had it on in July, didn't you? So I know, I, I, some of you are like that. My wife does that. I'm like, honey, it's August, you know? It's like 95 degrees outside. But anyway. Some people like their Christmas music. We're going to be studying Christmas songs. And the one we're studying today that's going to help us out a little bit is I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I mean, would you ever have thought that could have been theologically important? Well, you'll figure that out today. We're talking about love in each of these songs as well. And we're going to discover what love... How many of you... You remember Tina Turner? She used to say, what's love got to do with it? Come on. And, 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 and there was a song... There was somebody else that come, come along and said, what is love? Baby, don't... No, you don't know anything about that. <laughs> we have to be careful to define love by the Word of God. We have to be very careful because we're living in a culture today that puts a philosophy in front of a theology. In other words, our theology is developed based on what everybody else thinks is the norm. And then when we look at what the truth is, say truth, when we begin to discover what the truth is, we begin to see that theology should be influencing our philosophy, not the other way around. Because what love is in truth, we're going to study that today. How many of you know that love and truth go together? In other words, we don't accommodate. Listen, I can love you and not agree with your lifestyle. Let me be, let me be plain. I'm not going to love you and tell you it's okay. I'm going to love you and tell you the truth. And I expect the same from you. And if you don't, then you don't really love me. But we live in a culture today where we, wanna, we want everybody to be comfortable rather than to be with Christ. And, and, and John is dealing with a church here. He writes this letter to the church. It's only one chapter long. We're going to look at a few verses. And he says all this great stuff to the elder Gaius. And Gaius is a good man. He's a great guy. He's leading the church in a godly and biblical manner but how many of you know even though you do a lot of good stuff a lot of bad stuff can still happen and while he's leading the church and doing really well there's another guy in the church by the name of diophanes who is up to no good and instead of dealing with this man diophanes and telling him the truth gaius is still doing good so john says i'm coming over how many of you know when mama says, I'm pulling over the car, that's it. Or dad. But usually when it's mama says, don't make me pull over, you know, you know it's over. John is saying, I'm pulling over the car. I'm coming over to the church. I love you in truth, but I'm dealing with this diaphanies. And I want you to see that when you, you begin to see this pan out, if this were to happen today in church, we would go poo-poo on any of the leadership that would do it, we'd say, that's not love. How could it be love that you're telling this guy he's wrong? How could it be love that you're confronting this guy in this way? How could it be love that you're telling this man the truth this way? 
But I'm here to tell you this morning, that is still love. Yeah. It is. It is. Can I, can I, real quick story. I was in Walmart the other day, and uh, I, I'm going through the, I'm, I'm with my son. We're both pastors. My son was with, and my son is crazy. He's, he's funny. He says a lot of it. We named him Laughter, Isaac, okay? But we're laughing about stuff. We get up to this African-American lady, wonderful lady. She checks us out at Walmart, and uh, she says, you know what, I get out soon. And I said, well, how, how's today going? Well, living the dream. I'm like, hey, and I do one of these Glenn Hammonds moments, okay? Hey, have you ever wondered if at the end of life and you die, you open your eyes and you realize you've just been dreaming all along? She goes, would you just be quiet? You're messing up my, you know, I mean, she's just like, you're some kind of crazy. I said, well, what does happen when we die? There was nobody behind us. What does happen? She goes, well, I'm going to open my eyes and see my Savior. And I said, okay, yeah, all right, okay. I said, how's that work? She don't know I'm a pastor. She don't know my son's a pastor. And this is what she says. Now, you're clapping for her. That's good, but watch this. She says, well, I don't know. You better figure that out. You might die after you cash out. (laughs) All right. These things happen to me wherever I go. You know, and I just they're just they're just sermon moments, man. Okay, so here's what John says here, okay? Let's look at verse one. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love, read it with me, whom I love in truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you are progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth. Telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. Now what he's referencing here are the apostles and the missionaries and the evangelists and, and the pastors that are coming into this church, it goes unnamed. We don't know the name of this church. We just know that John is responsible for getting it started. And he says, it brings me joy that all these people are coming in and you're helping them and then you're sending them out. You're loving on them. You're caring for them. You have a deep hospital. How many of you know love is hospitable? Don't tell me you love me and frown at me all day. Don't tell me you love me and don't make me meatballs. Come on, I'm having meatballs at the Petrellas after church today. Can you say amen? amen? That's love. That's love. He says, you're treating these people with hospitality. You're loving on them. He says, that brings me great joy. I love it. I love it. Verse 6. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. In other words, keep supporting them. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. See, the world isn't going to (laughs) help. Yeah, you got it. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. There's all kinds of different people in this church. This is a very different church you attend. You don't just attend it, you are it. 
There are people here that pastor, that used to pastor, still pastoring, going to pastor. There are potential missionaries in here. There, there are brand new leaders being birthed in here. They're all different types of people, and we honor them all as unto the Lord. We don't sit back and go, well, let's build a kingdom behind one name. And this is what was going on. This was the way the church should look. This is it, man. Wow. Is we out there for to show hospitality to those people. We can work together for the truth. Look at verse 9. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, I think of that flying young man on the Diotrephes, yeah, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. He loves to be what? He won't welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he's doing. He's spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not, inten- do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, help us, God, to see the picture. Help us to see the image of Christ in our lives. What does love and truth look like? Lord, love and truth looks like your son, Jesus Christ. Pray that with me. Love and truth looks like your son, Jesus Christ, who loved us but also came and told us the truth. He loved us in truth. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on. Amen. Amen. How many of you remember those, uh, those Kodak uh, cameras that came out? Like, in, if you're, Listen, if you're under 45, you won't even know what I'm talking about. But you remember those cameras that came out and they were Instamatics? You put some stuff in there and, then, and, and you could take pictures. Of, and it was, it, that was a miracle. When that came out, I was a big deal. I was like six or seven. But when I came out, I was like, how, what, what kind of magic, what kind of voodoo is this? That, you know, you could take, how many of you would like to have your, your Christmas picture taken this morning? Okay, nobody. You're going to anyway. Because that's just how I roll. Yeah, yeah, that's how I roll. And so one of the things that uh, we do during Christmas time, listen, I have a little mistletoe. See, you're, how do you even know I'm going there? You're trained. I know you. You're trained. And what I thought I would do today is get a jump start on your Christmas cards. I've got a Fujimatic right here. It's not a Kodak Instamatic, but it's the next best thing. And it's going to produce an instant picture of what's going on. And I even got some mistletoe. So if I come and pick somebody, I want to see the best kisses. Come on. I, want, I don't want to see any of this puppy love stuff. Don't worry, I'll pick the married people. <laughs> that would be bad, wouldn't it? GlennHammonds at gmail.com. All right. So, so I've, got the, I've got the mistletoe, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the merits. We're going to see the best kiss. Tim Merritt, I want you to lay, it, lay one on this girl like you've never done it. Can you put the mistletoe up right behind there? You would just be, you'd love to, wouldn't you? Okay, let's see how we get this going here. <laughs> Wait till he's ready. <laughs> okay, let me see if we can. Get... 
That one's hot. That one's hot. There you go, kids. All right. Who else do we want? Give me a name. Give me. Oh, John and Diane. Of course. They picked you. Can you help me out with the mistletoe? Hey, now, no. Listen. No console hockey. Come on. Here we go. How many of you just said, get a room? That was awesome, man. That was really good. <laughs> hey, Joe, you and Ruthie, you want to? Ruthie, get back there with Joe right now. Give him a little peck. Come on, yeah. Joe and Ruthie, come on. Hold it up. You ready, Miss Ruthie? Oh. That was sweet, thank you. That's for you. Awesome. Who else do we want to get this morning? Tom and Allison Coon. You better stand up for this, Tom. Oh, yeah. She's a little bit embarrassed. Yeah. Hey, what about the Petrellas? Yeah, let's get, let's get, let's get Tim and Janet. Here we go, Vince, Vince and Janet. Sorry, Tim, Tim, you're back there. I'm not gonna have you kiss your mom, okay. Vince and Janet. All right. Thank you very much. One more? Who? Kenny B? Kenny B, you're on, buddy. Don't say no. You can't say, crucify every no in this church. Kenny B, it's on, man. It's on like Donkey Kong. Here we go. Hey, Kenny. Uh... She kissed you. <laughs> okay, that's, hey, that's fun. That's fun. How many of you remember, how many of you remember taking, let me take one of the whole church. Come on, here we go. Here we go. Woo. How many of you remember, when you take one of these things, especially from the old cameras, when you take one of these things, people would do this. They'd do this, like, like somehow that helped. Right? Like, this is going to help. This, I, I like to help. You know, I'm, I'm helping. And we just, you know, we just think if we do this, the air, somehow the air will make it a little bit better. Air has nothing to do with it. You know, you know how this, you know, light, it's actually light that makes the picture. And, and really, what's really cool, I'm going to geek out for just a second. Come on, I gave you a laugh, but let me geek out. What's really cool is, is that it sprays a little bit of silver on here in layers, and what happens is, is the light reacts to the silver. And over time, what happens is, is in the picture, the light will turn the silver into different colors. There's one layer that's just black and white. And in three more layers, it's like blue and, and green and red. 
And then it all comes out over time. How many of you know it's the light that brings the picture? We need the light. We need the truth. We need the picture that's developed in the light. And here, you're, you're just about to come out right now. You're so good looking. You're so good looking. John said this. He says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Whoever lives by the truth comes where? That's in John 3, 21. He says, guys, listen, if you want to live by the truth, and this is Jesus speaking here, you want to come into the light. How many of you know that whatever you expose in the light exposes things that don't belong? Sometimes we see things that we're not too proud of. You know, how many of you have, how many of you have got a spouse? You wake up in the morning, and before you wake up, your spouse comes in and turns the light on before you're ready. Right? And I mean, that, that just goes over really well, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't go, go over too well. Because you're not ready. Because the light's going to show all kinds of things, right? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine into our hearts, to give us light of the knowledge of God's glory. What is God's glory? What is God's glory? The face or the picture of Jesus Christ. The light has come into our life to make us into the image and the picture of Jesus. Every day, I want my life to look more like the picture of Jesus. Now, some film is developed in dark places that's called negatives i don't live in that world other film is developed by the light i want to be like jesus i want my life to look more and more like jesus but that means not just love that also means truth and love now why do we need the truth so bad well because love by itself can cause us to start to come together with people and come in agreement with people over things that aren't God's truth. Like the mistletoe. How many of you know what mistletoe really means? It's German for dung branch. You're going to look this up later. Guarantee you you will. You're going to find it. It's German for dung twig. That's what it is. Mistletoe is a fungus. It's what it is. And this morning we laughed and we had a great time. We showed some love and we kissed our spouse under the mistletoe. Because that's what we've been taught by culture. Culture says come under the mistletoe and that's the place where love is found. Oh yeah, the dung branch. Here's how mistletoe is spread. This is why they call it the dung branch. It grows on trees that have wounds. And it infects those trees as birds come and eat the fruit of it. This is one of the only fungi on the planet that doesn't spread by spores. It spreads by its own fruit. How many of you know that some things look like they have fruit, but they're not fruit of God? It looks good. It might sound good, but is it good? Is it good? What birds will do is come and eat the fruit of mistletoe. They'll go flying away. They'll use the restroom. That's the most appropriate way I can put it in church this morning. 
it will fall on another tree, and that tree gets infected by the fungus. That is mistletoe. Yeah. Now, some people would say, well, in German, it's just branch. Listen, you need to Google things the way I do. Because I can see some of your heads right now. You're not even listening to me. You're Googling it. You know, when I first started in ministry, we didn't have all that. We just trust what the pastor said. Pastor said so, what is so? It takes two years to get mistletoe out of a tree. It will infect a tree and it will sap that tree of its nourishment. It will take that tree's life if you don't get it out of the tree. And when they harvest this, this doesn't grow on it. It's not a bush. It, it's, it's killing another tree. That's, this is the real stuff. This was killing another tree at one point. And someone harvested it. And the only way to get rid of it is two ways. To prune it, to get it off a tree, but it takes about two years. You've got to keep it up. You've got to keep it up. And the other way is this. You use a salt-based, uh-oh, salt, salt, uh-oh. You use a salt-based solution that kills the mistletoe from the tree. And then the tree has life. But you've got to keep applying it. You've got to keep, come on now. You've got to keep applying it. You've got to keep applying it. And eventually, this fungus will be destroyed from the tree. We come together over a lot of things because we just want to keep the peace. We even think during the holiday season that that's what Jesus came to bring, was the peace. We even read in, in the book of Luke, we, say, we, see, we see the angels saying, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. But we proof text that scripture. We don't say the whole scripture. It says goodwill on whom God's favor rests. Peace isn't for everybody. I got to, man, I, I, I want to bring the truth this morning. Peace rests on those that have God's favor. Do you understand? The world is not peaceful. Just because Jesus came and was born and in a manger and he, and he died on a cross, it did not make the world peaceful. We've had wars ever since. And most of those wars have been religious. Even the Civil War in the United States, both sides, the North and South, prayed to the same God. That's not peace. So what does it mean that he would bring peace to the earth? What does it mean? Should we come together over just anything? Well, that's your lifestyle, and since I love you, I'm not going to tell you the truth about that. I don't, I don't want to mess things up between us, and so I'm just going to keep the truth to myself. I'm going to be accommodating. And let's have a kiss under the mistletoe. Let's have love and the truth and no dung branch, right? I'm calling out the bologna. You know what I'm talking about? I'm calling out the doo-doo. I'm calling out the truth because I love you. I love you. And that's what John is doing here. He's saying, hey, look, Gaius, I love you in the truth. But there's another guy in the church. I love him too, but he's not in the truth he's not in the truth can we have peace with him only when we come in to the truth you got to come in to the truth let me put it to you this way jesus made some predictions about his birth and, and and let me just remind you of what he said 
Matthew 10, 34. He said, here's what I came into the world and I was born to do. He said, I did not come to bring peace. I just read the Bible, Matthew 10, 34. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's sobering. For I have come to set man against father, daughter against mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, we kind of understand that. You know, it's... You almost lost your sense of humor. And a man's foes will be of his own household. That sounds real peaceful. Later on, Pilate asked Jesus before he dies. This is his big opportunity to just, to just spread love, right? Love and no truth. Hey, Pilate, you're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay, Pilate. Isn't that what Jesus says? In John 18, 37, Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king, for I was, for this I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify of the truth. He says, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Not everyone listens to Jesus. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. That's real encouraging. Well, Jesus wants to know which side you're on this morning. Are you looking for a God that can be summed up in a Christmas song? Or are you looking to serve a God who would have you to live by the truth? I want the truth. I want the truth. I want his favor on me. But I want the truth. And this is what John is dealing with in this church. He's dealing with a dung branch. He's dealing with mistletoe. And he says, that in verse 1, he says, Hey, Gaius, I love you sincerely. No, 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 no. He doesn't say, I love you sincerely. He says, Hey, Gaius, I love you in the truth. You know, it's like I look at my brother Mark, and he's a better guitar player than I am. And it's tough for me to be around him because he does stuff that I can't do. And he just nodded his head. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you know I mean... but I love him in truth that man would not let me slip if he seen me slip it wouldn't matter doesn't forget the pastor title stuff he knows I'm his brother he's responsible for me and I know the love that he has for me and I'm just picking on him right now but if there was something not straight in love you know love goes first but truth is in the car. It's not a love car and then a truth car. Hello, truth is in the car with love. Love gets out of the car first, then truth gets out. And Mark would do it. And that's what I did. That's, what, that's why he's my brother. That's why I'm his brother. Americans don't like this. Americans want love and no truth. Don't tell me. Don't you tell me. It's like that lady at Walmart. Well, you've got to figure that out for yourself. You might die on the way out of here. No, tell me. Tell me. Please tell me. Just because I'm a pastor, just because I, I've pastored for years and years, doesn't mean I don't need to hear the truth one more time. Love me. Tell me the truth. He says, Gaius, I love you in truth. He says, you know what? This truth we live by. This truth is the gospel. 
This is what's true. And and I love you in this. Not not in what what you define reality as, but in how this defines reality. I love you in the truth. And then he goes on to say, in verse 3 and 4, he shows the results of that truth and love. The results is that you see joy in that many children have come to Christ. You ought to have a truth that is so, watch this, transformative that it not only changes your life, but it generationally changes the lives of people around you. Now, this is going to sting a little, but i got to talk to you. Stop thinking there's a truth just for your generation. I'm not talking about methodologies. I'm not talking about preferences. That's not truth. That's just how you like truth to be served. People like truth to show up in a way that they like it to show up. You know, I like mashed potatoes with gravy. Don't put butter on it. Gravy. What kind of gravy? I don't care. Any gravy. Just give it to me with gravy right? We've got our preferences. But listen, if you're from one generation, the truth is still stand for another generation. If you're in an older generation, then it's okay to share the truth with a generation that's not part of yours. And vice versa. I was up in Sunday school class today. I was playing the game Sorry with a little girl named Serenity. We're up there having Sunday school class, and we had a little verse from Philippians. And she said, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to turn in my sorry card and remove you from the board, Pastor Glenn, because in Philippians it says that we should exalt one another higher than our own selves. And I was like slayed. I almost had like a a slain in the spirit moment. You don't cover me with the blanket. I'm done. It was good. Truth is generational, and it should have a generational effect. And then in the last part of it, he says, but listen, we're going to expose this diophanes. We're going to deal with this guy. You know what his name means? Nourished by Jupiter. Jupiter was the main god back then. Listen, if I came to Christ and my name was nourished by Satan, I think I'd change my name. Come on. You can call me Ray. You can call me Jay. Call me anything, right? You wouldn't call, I don't want to be nourished by a false god. Are you with me this morning? When you come into Christ, you're a brand new creature. When you get to heaven, you'll receive a brand new name. And mine's going to be stud. (laughs) Bull-headed one. That's what that means in heaven. Me. No. You get a brand new name. You're not going to identify with the flesh. You're not going to identify any longer with, with, with how you would identify here. You know how you identify here. You walk up to people and you say this, right? How you doing? Hey, how you doing? And then what comes at the end of it is? What do you do for a living? And then tell me how much you got. And how many toys do you have? And how many, how many times you've been married? And how, many, how, many, how much of this do you have? And where do you live? Oh, I know that neighborhood. Huh. Right? That's nourished by Jupiter. Nourished by the world and the world system. And later in Scripture, Paul teaches us that we're to know man, no man after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How do I know you after the Spirit? It's in truth. I know you by the truth of God. What does the truth of God say about you? That's how I should address you. And sometimes that's calling things that are not as though they are. I'll say it slower. Calling things that are not as though they are. So 
By faith, I speak to the king in you or the queen in you. I speak to the royalty that you are in Christ. You say, I don't see these things yet, Pastor. You won't unless we get into agreement on the truth. Let's get in the truth. The truth is not a lie. It is true. And what God says about you in his scriptures is true. We got this guy in the church who wants to be first. Got this guy in the church that he won't even support other leaders. He's got a little bit of an inferiority complex, a little Napoleonic syndrome. Little guy. You know what that looks like in leadership, right? You don't. You're going to get pulled over by one. <laughs> Be as respectful as you possibly can. You may get out of the ticket. But you're going you're to see one. I mean, he lost all the fights in the playground. But now he's got a badge. And you're going to respect that authority, right? This guy had authority in the church, but he's using it the wrong way. And, 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 he, and, and if any other leader would come into the church, he was finding that leader the door. He didn't want to support missions. He didn't want to support evangelists. He didn't want to support the apostles. It was all about him. You've never met anybody like that at church, I know. I'm coming back to a heart of worship, and it's all about me. All about me, Jesus. You never met anybody like that, I know. You've never been that way. Oh, boy, could I have some fun. I think I'm going to end on a nice note today. Okay. Think about this for a minute. What, you don't like my singing? Come on. I just got over a cold, okay? And it's the room. The room just isn't right. I... It just doesn't carry, you know, the acoustics and... God. Oh my gosh. What's he say in two verses? This is what John says about this guy. He loves to be first. He refuses to welcome the apostles. He maliciously spreads gossip about the men of God. He withholds hospitality from missionaries and visiting ministers. He requires others to follow his poor example and he excommunicates anyone who crosses him. And you know what John says? As soon as I get there, I'm taking my belt off. And we look at that and we say, that's not love. We want to get under the mistletoe. We want to say, come on, we can love that out of them. You can't just love that out of somebody. You've got to love them and you've got to bring them the truth. Or the fungus don't die. Now listen, I'm not into fungus, but I am a fun guy. And I'm here to tell you. <laughs> How about those Buckeyes? Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> How do they kill it? It's just interesting. It works out great for the message. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but how do they kill it? They kill it with salt. They kill it with light. Once this, once this mistletoe starts growing into a tree and contaminates it, the way to get rid of it is a salt-based solution that destroys it. And I just want to end with a couple of thoughts about salt. 
we think about this for a little bit, the truth is salty. The truth is salty. It's not sweet. It's salty. It really is. It's not, and we, we say things like, well, don't, don't pour salt into a wound. When the reality is, that's mistletoe information. Because actually, salt in a wound will actually clean a wound. It regulates sleep. It prevents muscle cramps. It sterilizes open wounds. It's an antiseptic. It clears the sinuses. Amen. We had a little bit of that in lung infection. Come on, you can gargle that stuff. It lowers high blood pressure. Salt's what we need. Salt's going to help. And we say, well, I don't want any of that in my life. I want to keep living the way I want. It's going to kill you, man. It's going to destroy you. So are you a salt guy or gal or are you a sweet guy? I, this isn't a mistletoe message. This is the truth. I'm not dropping dung into your life. I want you to know the truth. And the truth sometimes is salty. It's salty. And we think about salt, and it's, it's made up of two compounds, right? Or it's, it is a compound, rather. I got a, I got a chemistry doctor in my church now, and it's just like, what am I going to do, you know? I'm trying so hard. What do you do when there's so many people that are smarter than you? You know, it's just, I don't know. It, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But it's a compound. You know it's made up of sodium and chloride. Am I good so far? Okay, just keep nodding and then shake it this way when you go, no, when I don't have it right. All right, so, so together, that's a good thing. You know, you've heard this preached. Together, that's a good thing. But sodium by itself, it wants to bind. It doesn't, sodium is an element that doesn't like to just be by itself. It wants to cling. It wants to bind. And it'll bind to anything. And, and, and sometimes that's like love. You know, I just want to love you. And, and therefore, because I love you, I just want to bind with anything that's going on in your life. No. That's why chloride in the, in the compound is awesome. But chloride by itself can preach a little bit too. You see, chloride is a gas that'll kill you. If, if you will, that's, that's how the truth, the truth without any love will kill people, man. Hello? If you just bring the truth, and just knock people out with it, come on, they're not going to stick around to hear the love. They're not going to stick around to know that God loves them too. They're just going to, they're just going to die from the truth. And they're going to die in their sin. So when, when God chose to send His Son, Jesus Christ, He sent Him in love and in truth. The image is perfected in who Christ was. He, he loved us with His life. But at the same time, didn't stand for the mistletoe. He dealt with it, man. He told the truth. And listen, those two together, salt's great. It, it, it kills the fungus. It kills the contaminant. It gets us right. It gets us into a place where we need to be. And so does the light. So Jesus says this. He says, look, you guys, I want you to be these two things. I want you to be salt and light. You can't be the light of the world and go out around people and just say, well, I just love you. I don't just love you. I love you in truth. There's a maturity that comes with that. You know, when I first got saved, I was just saying, oh, oh go tell them. And I'll tell them in love. And it's like, no, that's not telling the truth in love. 
Heart's not right at all. You know, you know what I do? It, 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 you're, you're probably not going to believe me, okay? But you know what I do? I, keep, I have on my desk every one of your names. And I pray for you every week. You know why I pray for you? So that I'll stay in love with you. Do you know how easy it is to fall out of love with people? You don't, you don't know, right? Because you, you look around the room and you're just like, boy, that's a bunch of easy to love people, right? Nope. Nope. Did you know if you'll pray for somebody every week, you will love them? You, you, whatever God whatever God loves, you'll start to love. Your heart will be like his. So that's why I do it. It's not just to be a good pastor. It's because I, wanna, I want to love. I want to, but I just sometimes... It's hard. And so what that does is it puts me in the right spirit so that I'm who I need to be for you, man. But it also puts me in the right spirit so that if I have to preach or whatever else, you'll accept the truth because you know I love you. How many of you know that if a pastor just brought the truth but he never, he never loved people? How many of you know that just kills congregations? I don't want that. So don't be that either. Pray for those rascals called your kids. You might fall in love with them. <laughs> you might. Pray for, those, pray for those rascals you work with. You might just fall in love with them. And then when you go and you say something that's true, they'll receive it from you because they know you care. So now they'll care about how much you know. You know? Yeah, I get it. You know? So Jesus... We're going to move into communion now, but Jesus does this. Have you ever, think about this, the truth and love. It's, it's the last, it's the last night. It's his last night. This is communion. This is, this is the last supper. He's with his, he's with his best friends. And, and, and he knows he's about to die. And, and so what Jesus does is, is he wants to, the Bible says that he showed the fullness of his love to them by tying a towel around his waist. He, he showed them the fullness of his love and, and, and he started washing their feet. You know he washed Judas' feet too? Don't tell me you're going to give me a kiss under the mistletoe. Kisses aren't always love. Just ask Judas. Boom. Don't love me that way. Don't give me some false compliment or some fake hope. Give me the meat, man. So he starts washing their feet, and, and the Bible says that he comes to a moment where there's communion, and, and, and he says, guys, 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 um, one of you is going to betray me. Now, how loving is that? This is what's missing from the gospel today. Because he's showing love. But today we wouldn't have him say, but one of you is going to betray me. Today we'd have him say, oh, just say you love me again. One of you is going to, you're going to betray me. You don't see the grace in that? You don't, I know, we're going to debate sovereignty later. But you don't think that Judas had one more chance by hearing that? You don't hear the grace in that. That's love. One of you is going to betray me. And they all start checking themselves, man. Doesn't that blow your mind that they check themselves? Wouldn't you want to, and this is the thing I love about John. John doesn't say anything. John, the beloved, 
the one that Jesus loved, just, just leaned his, himself into Jesus' breast. He never asked, is it I? He just said, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to rest in love and truth. <laughs> and everybody else is going, man, is it me? Is it me? Is it you? Who is it? Who is it? And Judas ends up being the one that it is. There is love, but there's also truth and they come together. And that's what communion is. And I want to remind you of something because Pentecostal churches don't celebrate communion with this theology. Pentecostal churches see a singular theology to communion. Communion is not singular. It is not about just your relationship with Jesus Christ in communion. Communion, the theology that's whole and proper is, watch this, it's in the word communion. It's where we get community. It's where we get the idea of corporate body of Christ. When I take communion, I'm not just joining myself to Jesus. I'm joining myself to you. This is why when I visit people, I bring communion to their house. Because I want them to know they're still part of the body of Christ. It's not individual. It's corporate. I'm joining to you, Kenny. And I'm joining to you, Tim. And you're joining to me. I have a responsibility to you. I'm not preaching to you this morning. I'm talking to you as your brother. We are a family. So when we take this, understand, you can't have issues with people and go, well, you know, they're just a jerk. But Jesus, you're not. Jesus, no jerk. That person, jerk. I'm pointing at the piano, by the way. It's just, okay. That person, jerk. That person, jerk. Jesus, you're not a jerk. Just you and I. Ah. The truth in love is that if I've got an issue, I let it, I, I, I lay it down. Because Jesus at the cross overpaid. Somebody racked up a bill with you. But Jesus at the cross overpaid that bill. You can forgive them when they hadn't come up to me yet. They hadn't come up to me and asked for forgiveness. They don't have to for you to forgive. Can anybody say amen? Can anybody give the Lord a hand clap? I don't know whether this guy.